In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. And a good triodian to all of you. We've been talking about that book called the Triodian, which is the book of hymns that's used during the season of preparation for Great and Holy Lent and throughout the season. And it's full of inspired hymns, and it leads us on the path to our own healing. One of the things that I want to emphasize today is that salvation is a continual process for us, an ongoing process. We call the church a hospital, and as such, therefore, it's a place of healing. Rarely in your own life have you gone to the doctor and said, I need to be made well. And the doctor says, done. Now you can go run, you know, a mile. Now you can go do a marathon. Now you can go do a hundred push-ups. Your arm is better. The doctor actually gives you the means by which healing can take place, by which you can heal that broken ankle, by which that sprained wrist can recover so that you can use it again. It's a process. It's not immediate. And actually, by undergoing the process of healing, we, we actually prove that we do desire to be healed. Not just have an immediate fix. I might be bold to some in saying that the approach to salvation that says once saved, always saved is a very consumeristic one. It's one born from a culture and a philosophy that desires immediate gratification an immediate self-affirmation, a desire to, to get what I want now, and therefore I have it and it's my possession now. As if salvation is my, my possession, I have it. And we have this beautiful teaching in today's Gospel reading of the prodigal son, and we're being taught today that anything that we can claim as our own is a kind of a myth in its way, in its in a way. We we don't have anything that we haven't been given. That's very important for us to understand. Even that salvation, that sense of salvation that we cling to so desperately. And constantly seek to affirm in our own lives, I am saved, aren't I? I am going to heaven, aren't I? Salvation is even of God. And it's a gift from Him. And we prove that we believe it by drawing near to Him. The younger son in today's gospel reading 
whom we call the prodigal. We call this a parable, the parable of the prodigal son, but it's probably better referred to as the parable of the compassionate father or the loving father. Because the father really is the central character. Everything begins and comes from that father. Even the sense of dignity and freedom that was given to that son when he allowed him to go. I will not force my love upon you. Parents have said it and heard it many times. I want you to learn from my mistakes. Don't repeat the same mistakes that I did. And the kids are like, well, if I don't, then I won't know. Plus, it looks kind of fun to try things out, to experiment, to see what's out there. And there's truth in saying that we don't know what we've had until we've lost it. And this is very much what happened here. This young man, again, remember this is a parable, so this is the Lord giving us a lesson about our identity and his love. The son says, I want that which is rightfully mine. The father, knowing that the son would not have possessed anything that had not been given to him, dignifies the son in a way by saying, here you go. And he doesn't even make fun of him. You think that you're so smart. Okay. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't make fun of him. He doesn't tease him in any way. He doesn't correct him. Just like our loving God and Father gives us an incredible amount of freedom to act and to live, to do, to be well, to do what we think is right. So he gives the Son his inheritance. And as you know, he goes and squanders it. Again, you don't know what you've had until you've lost it. And what naturally would occur in this case is that it would drive one to despair. Oh my God, I had everything and now I've lost it all. What does that say about me? Woe is me, I am undone and there's no Salvation for me. There's no hope for me anymore. I think one of the greatest traumas that we can experience in our own life is coming to the realization of what we are capable of. Have you ever hurt someone else on accident or on purpose and realize that you can't undo it? And you live with the fearful realization that I've done this thing to another person. Not only have I offended them, I've hurt them. Do I have the ability to harm another? And then we can go forth having, as if we're defined by those things. And if there was no love, if there was no loving Father, if there was no greater purpose, then that would be what defines us. And all of life would be an incredible and terrible cesspool. <laughs> Some might argue that it is anyway, but I think there's more. The son wallowing in the pigsty 
remembers something. And this is an important moment, I think. And for us to hear. He remembers his father's house. He remembers his identity and who he is. And he even humbles himself not to say that I, would, I should go and present myself as the son of my father again, but I don't even need to. I don't even need him to call me son anymore. Who cares just to be in his presence, just to be in his household? I'll serve him. I'll clean his boots. I'll be as one of the hired servants. An important moment in this is that it wasn't enough for him to just remember. Call the mind his father's house. Just like it's not enough for us to just say, I believe that God saves and that God is salvation. Of course he is. He's perfect. He's our savior. The impartial lover of mankind who loves each and every one of us. And he loves you even if you're sitting in the pigsty and wallowing in self-pity or just contemplating the ideal of God's love for you. But He wants even more for you. He's teaching us this lesson in this beautiful gospel reading. What did the Son do? He got up. He got up. He got up and drew near to the Father's house. He had gone probably quite a distance to get away from what He once knew. Who wants to live a shameful life around where there's any sense of accountability? I often tell people, a lot of the sins that we commit are done in darkness. They're done in isolation. They do not unite us to one another, but separate us from one another and give us a fleeting sense of satisfaction. And the only way to be healed from that darkness is to step into the light. Physically. To move forth like the sun did. And he journeyed home. You can find in this parable so many applications. In the Orthodox Church, just like we believe salvation is a process, we believe that conversion is something that not only happens once, but is continuous. Our life is a constant conversion. One of the beautiful morning prayers says, God grant me a good beginning. A good beginning. Every morning, every moment is a conversion, is a drawing near. Because you and I are not absolutely undividedly in in God's presence yet. We've We've gotten a taste, a foretaste, but we're constantly drawing near as finite beings, created beings, to the uncreated, an endless and constant endeavor, journey. It's an an adventure too. Sometimes the terrain is hard to navigate. Or sometimes I question my own worthiness. What will he do when he sees me? Maybe he will say, you blew it. Turn around and walk away. We question ourselves. We judge ourselves. We condemn ourselves. It gives us a sense of satisfaction. 
a sick one, but still. Of course, it's hard to be seen. It's hard to stand in, in the light. Have you ever been in the presence of someone who is, I don't know, even a child, so innocent and so pure and sweet? You almost feel like you can't, you can't say anything around them because they're, they're so sincere and guileless. And it feels like a judgment, you know? I shouldn't be here. I'm too, I'm too bad or something like that. But the love of God, the mercy of God is greater than our badness. We draw near with our constant conversion every day. And also this journey, as we're coming upon the season of Great Lent, I'd like to say this journey through this beautiful season of repentance is the journey of the prodigal son from the place where he's at, which is not a place of perfection, to his father's house. One step at a time, one day at a time, one service at a time, one prayer at a time, one prostration at a time, whatever it may be. It's hard, but it's worth it. Especially if we trust in God, because our presupposition in the Orthodox Church is that God is love. He loves you and He wants you to know and to experience that you are loved by Him. If you draw near to Him, He won't cause you to stop short on that journey. Why not? That's where the, the second half of the prodigal son part comes into play. Who knows how tired the son was from that journey. He hadn't been eating hardly any food. Maybe he saw his father's house in the distance. And, you know, maybe in tears saying, it's enough for me to see it. Let me die here before I even reach my destination. And what happens? The father does what the son cannot. The father comes running out of the house. Meets his demoralized, disappointed son and wraps his arm around him, his arms around him. I could picture him just picking up his son and carrying him in. And I want you to know, while we're going to have all this talk about the spiritual struggle and the meaningful work that we do in working out our salvation and fear and trembling... It's on you, but it's not all on you. Because you can never achieve your own salvation. Jumping through hoops, through your own spiritual and ascetical labors. No way. No. These are all tools that lead us closer to the Father's house. But, there again, the Father is not setting up a finish line for us to finally prove ourselves to Him. Waving the checkered flag. Come on, lazy boy. A little bit further. No. I mean, he, he, he runs through the finish line for you and grabs you and walks you through. And I think that's what I want to emphasize this Sunday of the prodigal son. We do have to get up. We do have to draw near. We need to come to ourselves and not just have a nostalgia for that place where we once belonged, but is inaccessible to us, 
But we have to know that we can. We can draw near, and not only just to, to come to church, but to become mem- members of the heavenly kingdom. I mean, it's incomprehensible. I wish, I wish I could spoon feed this understanding of God's great love to each and every one of you and myself. Just what it means for us to be so loved by God. And then when you love someone, you love something, it's worth laboring for, isn't it? You ever felt this way about someone? I'll do anything for you. Anything. I love you so much. When we come to understand God's love for us and we desire to love Him in return, that should be our response as well. My God, I'll do anything. I'm such an ignoramus, I don't even know what to do. Guide me. And with the, the beautiful way and the manner and the path and the journey and the process of salvation that God leads us on. He shows us the way. He shows us the way. Because He loves us. So beloved in Christ, as we're reflecting upon the love of God the Father, Let us come to ourselves as well. Arise, draw near to Him, do what we can, but also putting all of our faith and hope in Him, knowing that He will achieve and already has what we cannot. For He loves you, and He loves me, and He loves the world, and He longs for nothing else than to draw us into His embrace. Always, now, and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.